Welcome to this edition of Rail Group on Air, the podcast series brought to you by Railway Age, Railway Track and Structures, and International Railway Journal. This is William C. Bantuono. I'm Editor-in-Chief of Railway Age. This podcast is sponsored by Shift 5, and with me is uh, Josh Laspinoso. Josh, there are some interesting things happening with uh, TSA regulations. Uh, as you may know, uh, to our audience, Josh is a U.S. military veteran who spent his time within the military at Cyber Command, an elite division of the nation's top cybersecurity talent, uh, devising sophisticated methods to defend weapon systems. And uh, uh, so he brings that experience to the rail market, enabling uh, rail operators to defend their, their trains, equipment, uh, infrastructure, so on and so forth, and uh, connected hardware, software, and networks uh, that enable them to run and operate safely. So, uh, Josh, uh, welcome. Uh, welcome back, I should say. It's, uh, it's very good to have you. Uh, thanks, uh, thanks for your sponsorship. So, um, you know, this is something relatively recent from the TSA, but there have been four directives laid out. Uh, what, what are those directives? If you could explain them. Yeah, for sure. Bill, thank you so much for having me on again. Uh, it's great to see you. Yeah, it's it's been um, kind of a whirlwind in the world of uh, cybersecurity this year. We're seeing uh, so many of these cyber physical attacks uh, kind of plaguing uh, first world countries and um, sort of getting ahead of some of the um, transportation issues that we've started to see. New York MTA got hit. Omnitrax had some issues a, a while back, as well as in adjacent verticals like, you know, obviously the government and also airline and maritime. Uh, the DHS secretary, Alejandro Mayorkas, um, floated some rules back in October uh, after a couple of really big cyber attacks on U.S. infrastructure, including Colonial Pipeline. And um, we saw the full regulations, the security directives come up uh, about two weeks ago after, you know, TSA worked with a couple of rail groups. Um, you know, these orders are going to affect about 90% of passenger rail systems and 80% of freight rail systems that are considered kind of higher risk. I think compared to some of the other security directives that we've saw that we've seen out of the TSA, uh, these are actually fairly lightweight. So I think that uh, you know the rail industry um, got 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 off a little lucky, um, fortunately, with with comparison to, for example, uh, the pipeline. You know, the, the Colonial Pipeline after that hack, they got some pretty pretty significant cybersecurity directives. But um, yeah, as you mentioned, there are four key components to this. Um, so very soon, by January sixth. The rail operators under the purview of the security directive will have to um, be able to report cybersecurity incidents to CISA within 24 hours. Um, so basically, you know, the, the way they define these incidents involves uh, either unauthorized access to an IT or OT system. Um, you might wonder, what, what is an OT system? I've heard of IT. What is, what is OT? Well, um, information technology are, are things that help us organize information. You know, you think about a cell phone or a laptop um, or even, you know, the network gear inside of your, your home or your enterprise that helps you get, you know, get your computers connected to the Internet and so on. Well, OT, operational technology, is the stuff that helps us run our business. So these are, you know, physical, oftentimes connected to physical assets that, um, you know, move manufacturing assembly lines. Or in the case of, you know, rail, we're talking about the wayside and switching infrastructure or the rolling stock itself, which 
uh, as you know, over the past decades has uh, accumulated more and more digital electronics and components into it uh, to the point where these are these are bona fide computer networks that are communicating over radio frequency and sending data back and forth to to manipulate things like the 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 engines and the doors and all these sorts of things. Well, we're going to have to report on any sorts of intrusions on on any of those digital components. So that includes the rail and 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 IT. Um, any sort of denial of service. So this is specifically talking, you know, the ransomware is the boogeyman here, right? The, the idea that uh, an attacker could um, lock you out of your computer. Well, some of the things we've seen um, in military contexts and in adjacent verticals, um, like like air, you know, the airline industry, is that uh, attackers are not just looking at IT; they're also looking at OT. So, so, so any opportunity that they have to deny service to something like rolling stock or or wayside infrastructure, imagine the services disruptions that that, that could result from that. Well, um, the TSA is is interested in reports on on any of that, uh, any malicious software that's found on IT or OT systems. Um, it really just anything that has the potential to cause a large number of customers or passengers to, to experience service disruptions, right? Um, one of the things that we thought about when we saw this particular prong of the, the four security directives was really like, you know, we see AAR and the Railway Alert Network has just done a great job of, it's a, it's a, it's a prime example of Rail operators of their own volition doing the right thing when it comes to cybersecurity and coming together and reporting around IT systems. You know, um, what's kind of unique about this is actually the focus on the operational technology. So for the first time, we're seeing out of the government them saying, "Hey, you know, we want to acknowledge that rail operators don't the only, the computer networks that rail operators operate aren't just relegated to the enterprise. You know, they're not just cell phones, laptops, and and servers. It's also the locomotives themselves." And the, and the, the switching and, and, and wayside infrastructure that makes those those locomotives go. Um, so you know we're we're seeing basically that CISA deems the visibility into this OT layer is super critical. So that's that's kind of the first thing, and that's by January 6, twenty twenty two. You know um, the the you know CISA wants within twenty four hours to know about these things because uh, you know from from their perspective they're seeing a lot you know from across industries and you know. They're basically saying that the rail industry is such a critical, uh, has played such a critical role really for the past 150 years of, you know, American uh, uh, innovation and growth, and it's going to continue to play a key role. And so they want to know when this sort of linchpin of the modern uh, modern economy uh, is under attack so that they can respond rapidly if, if it's a sort of a systemic problem. Um, so that's the first one. By the by, the second uh, the second sort of regulation that's involved in these security directives uh, is by March thirty uh, first of twenty twenty two. So next year, um, rail operators are going to have to complete a vulnerability assessment, and this this assessment is not just on the IT side, as I think most uh, most rail operators are pretty comfortable with how to do you know vulnerability assessments on OT on IT it also involves like I'm saying you know been saying this operational technology so you, you we're gonna have to do vulnerability assessments of also the wayside switching infrastructure and and uh, and on on the rolling stock itself so this is pretty pretty significant um, and you know Bill as you've reported many many times is sort of the innovations in in, in rail you know we're, we're moving towards potentially autonomous rail systems at some point here you know there's just been this inexorable march of more and more technology on on rail assets and um, you know we're seeing that unfortunately you know across 
many industries, not just in rail, but also in the Department of Defense and aerospace and maritime. When we're when we've been innovating and adding more and more features onto these systems, um, you know, we're we're really concerned about safety, obviously, and availability. But sometimes the idea that cyber attack is is something that the, the you know manufacturers need to be worrying about. That's a pretty new that's a pretty new thing, and it's nobody's fault. It's where we are sort of today. But a lot of these systems um, that are in you know fruitful service today are vulnerable. You know, they, they, they just have not been designed with cybersecurity principles in mind. And, and the idea here with this vulnerability assessment is to really get our arms around exactly what those vulnerabilities are. Um, you would mention one uh, acronym, and, and in this industry, we have, a, especially with technology, we have a growing list of acronyms. Uh, CISA, what, uh, for those of us who don't know what CISA is, what is that? What does that stand for? Yes, sorry. So uh, CISA is the Cybersecurity Infrastructure and Security Agency. Um, it's got security in the title twice, so you know they're serious about it. We had uh, actually the the director of CISA, Jen Easterly, uh, is one of my former commanders in the military. Uh, so she, she has played a seminal role in standing up. Um, cyber organizations. Uh, she's a West Point grad, former Army uh, military officer. So, so she has a deep understanding of, from the pointy end of the spear, of exactly what is at stake here when it comes to operational technology and critical infrastructure. Uh, so she just recently took up uh, directorship there at, at CISA. And these folks are responsible for coordinating between private entities and you know, the government on things that are really too big to fail. Right, so when you think about a pipeline getting uh, getting denied, or um, you know freight uh, and passenger locomotive service getting denied, that there's a, obviously a huge um, disruption to the business itself, which is really significant. But because these 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 industries are so you know rail is such a it's the lifeblood of our of our economy, the idea that you know some subset of the rail industry could get shut down as a result of a cyber attack. Uh, makes people really nervous because there are millions and millions of people who can get affected by by this, both supply chain, not being able to get to work. You know, imagine imagine goods and services stop moving around the country. So CISA's mandate is to strengthen the public-private partnership and make sure that the government is doing everything it can to help private industries, um, uh, you know, like rail, uh, uh, make sure that they're resilient to these sorts of attacks. And if they are the subject of attack, to work with them to remediate the issue quickly and and and, and get, get the trains back up and running. Okay, thank you. So on to, I guess, uh, the third um, directive. Yes, yes. So uh, the third is by June, of 20, uh, June 28th of 2022, uh, rail operators are going to need to develop incident response plans. So uh, in, in cybersecurity parlance, an incident response is basically, hey, we do our best to put cybersecurity control measures in place. We harden our systems. We monitor for intrusions. And the reason that we do that is invariably, you know, attackers that want to get in, they're going to keep trying different things and Ultimately, sometimes there are slip-ups, right? You know, someone clicks on a link that they're not supposed to, or there's some big, big vulnerability that comes out and attackers get ahead of that. So it's really important for us to observe and monitor and make sure that, you know, there, there aren't active intrusions going on. When we do monitor those intrusions, and they do happen invariably, uh, then we kick into what's called incident response, right? So we've got this intrusion, somebody went through a, a door, and now they're, they're sort of in our networks. 
how do we um, how do we deal with that? How do we segregate the affected systems? How do we um, make sure that we clean up uh, and, and make sure that the infections don't spread? And then how do we make sure that uh, you know the safety and availability of our systems are are, are maintained? So, um, you know, th these are th obviously well well trodden territory for for the information technology side. I mean, we've been doing incident response on IT for decades and decades, but. The big question is really, um, you know, how do we do this on operational technology? So if you if you have switching infrastructure that's affected by uh, by by some of these attacks, what do you do about that? Um, or or your rolling stock? You know, how do you how do you get visibility into an attack on those systems uh, and make sure that you're able to clean up that intrusion and then get the that get the locomotives back up in in, in safe service. Um, you know, this really requires observability that doesn't exist. And and this kind of concerned me when I was reading through this regulation. I said, my goodness, 180 days, that is not a lot of time for us to be able to get all of these, um, all of these plans in place, uh, especially when, you know, for better or worse, you know, the, the rail professionals today, modern rail professionals are, are going to be tasked with uh, frankly, inventing a lot of this uh, science here on how we how we do these incident responses because it's you know rail is a unique industry, and um, you know we're, the the folks that build these plans are going to be responsible for operating. And it's not CISA that's going to be operating these plans. So, um, you know we're we're really um, we're really really focused on on making sure that you know the, these incident response plans are sensible um, and that we try to deliver these within you know 180 days, which is going to be a tall order. You know. It, it kind of reminds me of uh, positive train control, the mandate, and um, you know that mandate was given. Um, I think at the outset, uh, seven years, uh, and it was a, a huge lift for the industry. Um, yep. Sort of, uh, you know, uh, as uh, as as John F. Kennedy said when he said we should go to the moon. He said, you know, using. Uh, things that haven't been invented yet. <laughs> so right. we're talking about kind of the same, uh, um, kind of the same thing here. So 180 days, that's, uh, that's six months. That's, it's not a lot of time. No. It is not a lot of time. Ooh. And, you know, and while I think, you know, the rail industry, um, you know, has kept safety and availability at the forefront, you know, these are, these are two of the watchwords for folks that operate these things, making sure that people are safe uh, and that when, when we need uh, locomotives uh, to, to move people and goods around the country, that they're available to do that. And I think what we're seeing in 2022 is that cybersecurity is, is now synonymous with safety. Right. We've gotten to the point now where these attacks are happening and, you know, for better or worse, the, the government is seeing a lot of things, a lot of credible threats. And, and they're they're trying to say, hey, rail industry, you know, we want to work together on these things, uh, but we got to put these sort of security directives in place because we're, we're frankly terrified of, of what the, what could happen if these cybersecurity intrusions continue. And then, of course, in the rail industry side, we're saying, hey, look, like this is we're in a situation now where we're just getting out of the pandemic. Okay. It's, it's a holiday season, you know, um, we're, we are, you know, a critical industry and, and we're, we're already stretched pretty thin trying to make sure that we're, you know, we're, we're operating these things. And now you've got sort of these directives that are coming out unfunded for us to, you know, sort of handle on top of everything else that we're trying to do. And it's, um, you know, it's a, it's, it's a, uh, it's, it's, it's a tough time and you kind of see both, both sides of this, but I think ultimately what we're seeing emerge is a consensus that like, Hey, cybersecurity is a real problem. Uh, it's related to safety and availability. 
And, you know, to your point, Bill, I think PTC was obviously a huge, a huge mandate that the rail industry had to deal with. And um, yeah, unfunded you know, certainly- as well. Unfunded as well. Yep. Mm-hmm. And, Largely. you know, which is frankly, one of the things that I think, you know, the, 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 the federal government should be responsible for is, is funding some, some of the, the resourcing for, for being able to solve these cybersecurity problems, because, you know, it truly is. I mean, there are certainly cyber criminals and, and actors in here that are out for economic gain. That is absolutely, um, you know, part of the threat landscape here. But another part is foreign adversaries. You know, you talk about nation states. I mean, um, the rail industry is so critical. It's, it, it, you know, really is the lifeblood of moving people and goods around the country. And if you're, you know, if you're one of our foreign adversaries, China, Russia, Iran, and you're looking for a way to disrupt, you know, American way of life for political reasons, um, these aren't theoretical. Like these, these, these countries are looking at ways of, of attacking us. And, you know, the, the rail industry is owed some, some protection from, you know, from the federal government. And, and I think uh, we should really be advocating for some, some significant funding to help the rail industry sort of resource these, these cybersecurity directives well you know we would hope that uh there should be some sort of funding in the pipeline especially with uh with all this uh, infrastructure money that's finally you know uh, in place uh so the i'm hopefully that's something that uh the leaders in our industry are uh, are, are at least looking at saying you know we we need we need to get some uh, some uh, assistance here um, absolutely now there are some were saying that this mandatory 24-hour reporting regulation, it's too broad. Uh, it's very burdensome. Um, how do you understand this level of uh, reporting? Yeah, and, and I think there's actually uh, one, one, one last sort of prong of this um, cybersecurity directive that's, that's super critical and uh, nests within the reporting of these cybersecurity incidents is um, by the end of the year, so we don't have much time, next two weeks, um, uh, all rail operators need to designate a, a cybersecurity coordinator. And so this person is going to be responsible for you know, being the touch point with the TSA and CISA and uh, responsible for conducting all the proper cybersecurity practices in their organization, again, for both IT and OT. Uh, And this person is going to be the focal point for reporting cybersecurity incidents. I mean, I think what we've seen um, in, you know, in a lot of other industries is this person is, you know, is a chief information security officer. So as a C-level executive who's, who's um, responsible. So sole focus is making sure that, um, uh, they're, they're the systems that are under their purview are, are safe from cyber attack and that they've got incident response plan. They're, they're sort of the focal point for all this activity. All the free one operators have CSOs, right? Where the, uh, where the industry is headed here. Um, but, you know, according to the TSA, um, these cybersecurity incidents uh, and, and what needs to get reported, um, is it's a little light on details. They sort of define what are the what are the incidents that need to get responded uh, to? But they're they're kind of light on details on what exactly uh, the nature of those um, incidents uh, entails. And so, how I, I envision this probably going is that that security cybersecurity coordinator is going to sort of give the five W's, you know, the who, what, where, when, why uh, of of an attack. Um, and then the the uh, CISA and the TSA will work closely with that individual 
to help them not only understand that, hey, is this a systemic attack? And what else do we know from other folks that are maybe reporting similar kinds of, of attacks? That's so one of the benefits of, of working with with these government uh, agencies is you you sort of gain a threat intelligence landscape of, of what else might be happening uh, across the industry, um, as well as, you know, there are resources available from, from some of these government agencies that they're able to sort of, you know, help deploy folks to, to clean up and do an incident response and, and um, potentially, you know, uh, especially if it's a foreign adversary, you know, provide assistance and resources to get that, get that taken care of. Um, but yeah, I mean, really, um, the, the, the step, the, the, the salient steps that we can take are making sure that we can, um, we can detect attacks when they happen, right? Like that's the precursor to be able, being able to report on them. And so, you know, from my perspective, what we've seen on the IT side, when we, when we build cybersecurity programs is to make sure that, um, uh, we have visibility, yeah, you can't you know you can't report on something that you can't see, and so um, mm-hmm. while I think we've got pretty good you know pretty good visibility into our computers and our cell phones and our network gear, um, unfortunately, like from a digital perspective, we actually don't know a lot oftentimes on what's actually going on on our rolling stock. Um, you know, even though even though these things are full blown computer networks and they're compu- communicating PTCs communicating, you've got RF free protocols kind of coming on and off in these things. Um, oftentimes, we don't know simple stuff like what are the the software versions that are running on the electronic control units on our rolling stock and 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 things of that nature. So, um, really, I think our focus should be on on those sorts of questions, and then being able to generate. Hey, we got really like strong indicators that this thing's been compromised and then you report you know the details that you have available to to the tsa it sounds uh, a little bit like um, uh, when a company goes out for a uh, uh, puts a request for proposals and they don't ask for uh, one based on technical specifications it's based on performance specifications so yes. they're not specifying any particular type of uh you know software or hardware or black box or whatever it is but it has to it has to meet a certain performance requirement this sounds kind of like that would you agree that's i think that's exactly right bill and and that's fortunate right i mean we don't you know we, we don't want regulators telling us exactly how to do our jobs and um you know it's really important that um you know at a top level we're able to Determine that we're under attack, and then just report some basic details about it. I mean, those are that's a it's a pretty reasonable kind of level of of requirement. Um, the timeline, you know, is pretty tight on this to be sure. And and I think there's, you know, I think I think the right answer here is is maybe extending some of this deadline to get really make sure that we're we're able to 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 answer the uh, answer the call on these directives as well as hopefully there's some funding coming because I got to tell you, you know, like people are stretched thin being able to cover down on all the responsibilities that, you know, it takes to, to run a, uh, run a rail operation. And, and, you know, these are, this is going to be a pretty significant lift to be able to, um, to, to comply even with, even with doing incident response, especially on the operational technology side. So, so we may be looking at, uh, Hey, 180 days is, uh, is a very heavy lift. Uh, you know, it, uh, as, as the railroad said with the PTC, yeah, we can do this, but we need some more time to do this. Yeah. And uh, I think, for, I, yeah. I think that's right. 
I think that's totally right, Bill. You know, and and it's like when you look at it from the TSA's lens, um, you kind of see a, a pattern here, and 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 it's that you know, look, um, there's a huge uptick in cyber attacks targeting national infrastructure, and you've seen the TSA sort of go down the line, and they're they're issuing these cybersecurity directives to critical infrastructure. Rail was invariably going to be involved in this. The airlines are up next. We just saw the the you know the sort of pipeline um, before. I bet we're going to see some restrictions around maritime as well, and some security directives there. And um, look, on one level, um, you know, it's it's onerous and you know sort of unwelcome to get regulation, right? Of course, but at the same time, you know, there's there's a silver lining here is that a and by extension, the government see the rail industry as a critical critical component of the American economy. And they see it, um, you know, since the mid 1800s, it has been, and they see it continuing indefinitely into the future. And so if there's any solace in, in sort of getting the, um, getting scooped up into this, this, uh, cybersecurity directive kind of campaign that the TSA is on, it's that the government views the rail industry as, as really, you know, too big to fail. And, um, that that at, at the at the end of the day, I think you know I think that the government is gonna is gonna uh, make sure that the rail industry is successful here, right? And so that it's it's going to be a conversation back and forth. And I think um, it is a really reasonable observation that 180 days is 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 a pretty pretty short period of time. Well, based on this industry's past history, uh, with a lot of initiatives, uh, you know, uh, we we will come through. Uh, you know, you, just as a Totally different example, but if you look at the devastating floods in uh, in Canada and the British Columbia, yeah. and uh, within a week the Canadian Pacific was back up and running, you know, amazing. private industry. <laughs> yeah, it's amazing. I mean, yeah. and it's it's yeah. just a it's a testament to the skill and ingenuity of the folks that that uh, mm-hmm. that that operate these 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 um, you know these 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 companies, and I think um, you know I'm I'm hopeful that. Uh, these are sort of this this set of uh, cybersecurity directives are, you know, they're they're at least when you compare them to to what the the pipeline industry is having to deal with here, um, they're fairly lightweight. Uh, I know it, it doesn't seem like that when you sort of read through these, but um, I'm hopeful that you know we're going to get together as an industry and be able to say, all right, look, here's a reasonable uh, you know sort of first hack and and making sure that we're able to comply with these directives. This is you know w- we work together and we figure out how we do this in a, in a resource efficient and 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 timely way. And I think when we look back at this, we're going to say, you know what, that wasn't that bad, and um, you know we're able to put together some reasonable steps to to really elevate the cybersecurity because the the other thing here is that um we're starting to see these attacks more and more frequently they're not theoretical you know i mean like we, we mentioned a couple the new york mta omnitracks um there, there are other ones that are sort of um you know in adjacent industries or or, or talking about over the road trucks and those sorts of things um it's not just a sort of public good you know uh, uh complying with these regulations there are real risk mitigation reasons to, to, to do this stuff um, and, and, and sort of look at the cybersecurity of our rolling stock and wayside infrastructure. Because uh, if you get hit with, with, with some of this malware, um, we've seen seven and eight figure payouts, right, uh, just this year. Um, and so there are personal benefits of sort of risk mitigation uh, that, that follow from taking some of this seriously and really, you know, doing a, doing a full, um, 
you know, rolling out a full cybersecurity program uh, to, to comply with the security directives. So, Josh, there are vendors who conduct cybersecurity assessments on a recurring basis, and uh, they have been reporting some of the cyber threats to uh, CISA through the AAR's uh, Railway Alert Network, or RAN. Um, how does this TSA directive uh, differ from, from what's already being done? Yeah, I, I think that what the, to your point about, you know, uh, CP being able to do just a Herculean amount of work um, in, in a record time and get get things back up and running, uh, we're seeing a corollary to that on the IT side with, uh, with the rail industry really being out in front and making sure that their IT systems are secure. And uh, what RAN's been doing is is firmly uh, in that in that camp. I think what's different about the TSA and CISA um, uh, security directives here is the is the focus on operational technology. So while I think the industry's really done a great job of looking at information technology and and keeping up with best modern you know cybersecurity practices, the disconcerting thing is we're seeing attackers go after cyber physical systems. And frankly, you know, and this is as much on the cybersecurity industry as it is on, you know, sort of rail operators. Um, the difference here is the focus on the operational technology. So where we're going to need to head over the next year is cybersecurity assessments on the operational technology assets themselves. So we're talking about, you know, the wayside infrastructure. We're talking about the cars and the locomotives, like digging into those things and understanding at a digital level, hey, how are these things vulnerable? Like, where do we need to start putting cybersecurity control measures in place on rolling stock itself, for example? Um, and that's those are relatively new questions. We've talked about uh, the fact that this is an unfunded mandate. Uh, ultimately, uh, the regulations are going to impact budgets for freight and passenger rail operators. Uh, freight, uh, freight, of course, it's uh, it's it's mostly private money. Uh, passenger rail, it's uh, it's government funding, uh, and it's sometimes uh, is uh, a bit a bit short. So, how are these regulations going to impact the budgets? Are they are they large impact, minimal impact? Uh, you know, if yeah. you look at uh, uh, PTC, getting back to that subject. Uh, the uh, a large chunk, at least at the outset, was uh, of the communications and signals budget was devoted to PTC, and some other yeah. projects had to get um, get pushed aside. Not necessarily the things that need to get done, you know, the regular maintenance, uh, state of good repair, uh, but you know, there's uh, there seems to be a little bit of uh, a little bit of risk here. How, how much risk yeah. is there as far as budgets go? Yeah, and I think that the analogy is really apt, Bill. You know, um, we learned a lot through PTC over the past decade, and I, I will say upfront, I don't think that the budget requirements for sort of complying with cybersecurity and these security directives is anywhere near what we had to spend to get PTC on board. I think there are extremely cost-efficient ways. Uh, for us to be able to significantly improve cybersecurity of the operational technology side of things um, and potentially do it in a way where um, over time could actually support 
um, better, you know, better operations, right? Like, so when you think about more observability and visibility into your systems, I think that opens the door for all kinds of really interesting, smarter ways of operating, you know, operating these systems in the short term, to be clear, the task is cybersecurity. And I think, um, you know, what we're seeing is that, uh, number one, Look, cybersecurity is safety. It is a safety issue. So if you've got a budget for safety, you've got a budget for cybersecurity. And I think uh, at least in, uh, at least for you know the government funded um, sort of operators, uh, like we've been saying, we've got to pair some of these cybersecurity directives with with funding. It's just it's it's uh, you know it's not as if you know these 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 rail operators are flush with cash and you know looking for ways to invest it. It's um you know we've we've got to find ways of sensibly funding these sorts of activities and and um, and, and strengthening cybersecurity. Uh, I think thanks uh, to in big part to the evolution of cybersecurity uh, on the IT side, there's just there's a lot of expertise um, that has allowed us to be extremely efficient with with how we can spend cybersecurity budget to really significantly improve security and safety. So um, you know, I, I think I think there's a, there are very efficient ways of doing it. I will also say, um, unfortunately, because of the the sort of the nature of cyber physical attacks, um, what we've seen just this year is that attackers who were able to compromise critical infrastructure, pipelines, transportation operations, even short line rail operators, uh, when you can ground a fleet, um, you can cause massive losses to that to the businesses that you're affecting and the and the attackers know this and and there's they're they're multiplying and we've seen just the payouts we know about you know let alone the ones we don't but you know whether it's a meat packing plant or it's a water treatment facility down in Florida or or it's or it's a pipeline we've seen seven and eight figure payouts i mean these are huge payouts and so we're talking about uh spending a little bit you know, on cybersecurity to keep from a seven or eight figure calamity happening. And not, not to mention your name in the news and the, and the brand and reputational head, as well as customer service disruptions. Um, you know, it's a pretty good risk reward sort of trade off to, to be spending a little bit on, on, on cybersecurity to make sure that uh, your, your organization isn't, isn't victim. It would seem to me that uh, what we're talking about is very closely aligned with uh, the next generation of positive train control. Uh, this is where uh, uh, the freight railroads are headed now with PTC, the so-called 2.0. 1.0 was the mandated safety overlay. 2.0 is taking advantage of all that available bandwidth and using it for better data communications, more information, sort of making the railroad an information superhighway. So it seems to me that uh, if you're if you have the cybersecurity element, it, it's very closely aligned with that. Would you agree? I think you're spot on, Bill. Um, so I think PTC 2.0 is a really exciting extension uh, of what is fundamentally a safety, you know, a safety system, right? And kind of like we were talking about now that connectivity. Well, what else can we do with that? What can we what can we use that connectivity for? Are we are we able to you know maybe improve our service or be more efficient with with how we're um, you know operationalizing our fleets? Well, uh, that's really exciting to me for a couple of reasons. Uh, one is I think there's a parallel also with cybersecurity and 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 with with visibility and observability. We kind of talked a little bit about that. 
But I also think um, PTC 2.0, maybe this is a little bit of a stretch, but it's it's a step towards you know, the next generation of, of, of rail, which is really, I mean, we're seeing autonomous locomotives. We're seeing um, technology enabling operational employment of these things in ways we never thought possible. And communication is a core component of that. Um, if there's one theme that I've seen in my time as an IT cybersecurity professional or in, in my time in uniform looking at, you know, military fleet assets like, you know, we say planes, trains, and tanks, um, it's that the more functionality, the more features that we put on to these things, the more ways that we communicate with them, the more ways that we're interacting with them with computers and different kinds of components to add more features and more flexibility, it opens up the surface for cybersecurity problems as well, right? So if you design a system to be totally closed, that's a certain security model. You say, well, we've got physical security of it. We're not super concerned about someone plugging a a thumb drive into into our system. Well, now, if you've got bits and bytes flying off of that thing all the time, 24 seven in operation, or you've got, you know, compact flash cards that you're swapping around to be, you know, updating firmware and those sorts of things. All of a sudden, now you've got a, a potential cybersecurity problem. And so I think paired with this conversation around PTC 2.0, the more features and the more data that's going on to and off of these systems, we need to make sure that they're secure. And so I think the conversation around PTC 2.0 is very timely when it comes to thinking about cybersecurity of operational technology assets. So I guess you could say that the this uh, cybersecurity mandate will sort of uh, push PTC 2.0 moving a bit faster. I think maybe. so. Yeah. Yeah. Because, you know, they're, they're also, I think, really um, reasonable uh, and smart folks that are observing that, hey, you know, the more that you're interacting with these systems uh, as they're, they're out and about, you know, that, that can sort of makes me a little nervous, you know, like, how do we, how do we make sure that we're doing that in a secure way? And that like, as we're pushing data and commands and so on, and, and being more sort of automated with the way that we do things, at the digital level, there's a discomfort with going from analog to digital. And, 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 and that that's not an unreasonable discomfort, you know, and especially mm-hmm. in this world where we're seeing these cyber attacks, you know, how, how do you make sure that um, when you take a person out of the cab or you go from two operators to one, uh, as we're automating things and removing some of these manual safety features, I think if we, if we get cybersecurity right on these assets, it'll uh, ameliorate a lot of those concerns and then allow a world where PTC 2.0, you know, is, is, is um, you know, we, we, we've satisfied some of the, the concerns and reservations around it and, and people can feel more comfortable. And also, if you if you continue that to the passenger rail side, to the passengers themselves, when you have an operator saying, well, you come on board our trains and you have Wi-Fi, continuous Wi-Fi, and you can work, right. you can be productive. Well, that's great. But at the same time, uh, if I'm getting on a train with my laptop and I'm, and I'm trying to get some work done, I don't want to be hacked. I want to make that's sure right. that my data transfer is as secure, as secure as it is in my my office or my home office wherever wherever I happen to be working from I think that's that's a really great point Bill and I think that cybersecurity goes both ways right we want to make sure that passengers are are safe and secure 
uh, when they're using onboard Wi-Fi and onboard systems. We also want to make sure that we don't create an access vector for nefarious malicious actors to be able to get onto these locomotives, get onto these trains and connect via Wi-Fi and do something nefarious to the train. Maybe they leave behind some malware that you know goes off in a week and causes a huge service disruption. So it's really important that we get mm-hmm. cybersecurity professionals, you know, kicking the tires. You know, this is when 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 CISA talks about completing vulnerability assessments, that's exactly what folks like you know like 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 me and my co-founders do is we, we we go up to these systems we put we put our our black hats on and we think about okay if I was an attacker how would I subvert this system how would I get in and then we we try you know we, we sort of simulate it it's a it's a it's a sort of a kind of a game uh, red teaming and mm-hmm. we find issues uh, the idea is that we find them before the attackers do and then we can go back and we can solve those problems and make the security of the system better. And that's, you know, that's decades of, of learnings from the IT side that we don't have to reinvent the wheel. We can, we can adopt those directly to this new frontier of, of operational technology assets. So, you know, this uh, rail cybersecurity that's now really, uh, really come to a head. And we're going to uh, continue this uh, on January 27th. Uh, uh, Shift 5 and Railway Age will be presenting a special webinar uh, on this and very subject and uh, where we'll be able to go into more a lot more detail and uh, there'll be some visuals some graphics and um, you know it's always good to see kind of you know paint a picture and uh, uh, this is like radio radio is the theater of the mind well we're gonna we're, we're gonna take it to the next level next month <laughs> uh, in the new year uh, with with the webinar so uh, details uh, will be forthcoming on that Great. So. Yeah. And we, we, we can't wait for that. I think uh, it's going to be a really good session. This is, you know, this has been really helpful to just get some quick, you know, thoughts and, and sort of surveying the landscape of these security directives. I think given the benefit of, of, of a little bit of time uh, digesting and working with, with partners on this, we'll have a lot more specific prescriptions about how we, how we deal with these security directives. Well, Josh uh, Laspinoso of uh, Shift 5, um, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, as always, uh, this has been fascinating. There's a lot going on, a lot more to report, and uh, we will be looking forward to, uh, to continuing this uh, conversation. This is just before uh, the holidays, so we wish you the best for the holidays uh, and, uh, and a very happy and safe new year. Safety is first. Thank you. That's right. Thanks, Bill. You too. Thank you.